Life Audio. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Betty Dickinson with me as we have a conversation around Advent, her time meditating on Luke chapter one, and her new book, Making Room in Advent, 25 Devotions for a Season of Wonder. But before we get started in our conversation, here's a quick word from our sponsor. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way, they are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up, it's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Betty is a prophetic artist, a writer, and a speaker who invites audiences to connect with God through visual parables of the spiritual journey in her ministry, Awakening the Soul. She earned her MDiv through Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, and she and her husband live in Traverse City, Michigan with their two boys. Well, welcome, Betty. It is so nice to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for making some space for us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Jody. It's a delight to be here. Well, you have written and created more than even writing a beautiful book. It's full of art and stories that coincides with the Advent story as found in Luke. and. In the podcast that is the companion podcast to this, we meditated on Mary's response to the angel Gabriel when he shows up to her and he says, you are blessed and now you're going to have this child and you need to name him Jesus. And and he speaks all of this prophecy over him about ruling on David's throne. And so then this is Mary's response to him. So I'm going to read it as a reminder. And then we're going to talk a little bit about your experience just meditating on this passage this morning. And then I'm really anxious to talk also about the work you're doing and just have you help us enter into the Advent season with more intention. So 
Yeah. All right. So this Absolutely. is Luke chapter one, verses 34 through 38. And again, this is Mary's response. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. All right. So Betty, you took some time to meditate on this passage, one that you're familiar with because you spent a lot of time writing on it um, and even illustrating it. But where did the Lord take you today when you sat with him? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to thank you for that beautiful invitation to get into the text in this way again, because, you know, like you said, I've been marinating in it. It's been about five years now. I started the the painting, the original painting on this passage in 2017. but meditating on it again today, the Lord just spoke afresh to me. And the things that stood out to me were actually a surprise that I hadn't noticed before is that Mary Mm -hmm. uses two I am statements in response to Gabriel. Mm -hmm. The first I am statement is she says, I am a virgin. You know, how will this be? I'm a virgin. And then, you know, the angel gives his explanation. And then the second thing that she says is, I am the Lord's servant. And just how the Lord spoke to me about that is, you know, Mary's first statement, I'm a virgin, reflects on her human limitations, that she is a virgin. She doesn't understand how this could happen. She even explains, you know, how will this be? I don't get it. You know, and I I love the fact that her posture there is really humility and leaning into her human limitations and 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 recognizing that this is an entry point to understand a deeper level of who God is. And what I love mm-hmm. about the angel's response is that he doesn't condemn her for asking how yeah. will this be. It actually, she's sort of bringing her limits and her humility before God and saying how, like how within my human limits can you do this? And then the second question that she asks reflects a posture of surrender I mm-hmm. am the Lord's servant. And in that way, she brings brings her limitations before God and surrenders them and says, you know, basically like I I'm dust. I am your creation. Some and, and what I love about Gabriel's explanation about how this is going to happen is it beckons back to creation in the very beginning where the Holy Spirit hovered over the mm-hmm. earth and you know, even this imagery of sort of this like mother hen, you know, flapping her wings, hovering over her baby chicks for a new thing to be born. And that's what's going to happen here with Mary. But the like the only way God, you know, asks her to be able to do this is simply just giving her limitations of her humanity and surrendering those for God's purposes. And I just thought, wow, isn't that a beautiful invitation to us that I just think so many times the new thing that God wants to birth in us comes at the intersection of our humility 
and our surrender. And where those two things come together is a very place that we can see the most high dwell within us and become flesh in us in these very surprising and unexpected ways. And I just, uh, that was a very wonderful gift that God gave Mm. uh, as I was meditating on it today. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love the details that you just pulled out about that and how even as soon as you said it, it just resonated in my spirit because she does, she brings this, I'm a virgin. (laughs) So I am this thing. And therefore I don't think you can, and it's like you said, it's not a challenge. It's just a a laying before the human limitation Mm -hmm. that she feels weak and small Mm -hmm. in this place, because I don't see how what you want to do connects with who mm-hmm. I am and who, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. the situation or the position that I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I love, I love that. Um, and I think you're right. The way the angel responds to her, I think reveals to us Mary's heart posture of humility and asking that question mm-hmm. because he doesn't come after her like you have little faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just believe mm-hmm. what God has said. <laughs> I'm an angel standing before you. I, you know, I mean, he, he, he takes the moment and he responds to her question and he answers it. And then her just posture of, of uh, humility. That is so beautiful, Betty. Thank you for bringing that out to us. That definitely ministers to me too. Mm-hmm. So as you take it that next step further, how is that applying to your life today? And where did you and the Lord go with that? Yeah. You know, it was interesting when I was starting to look up, I love looking up in blue letter Bible, you know, different definitions of how the words are used. And when I was looking up Mary's phrase, may your word be to me, as you say, Mm -hmm. or may your word to me be fulfilled, that phrase be fulfilled, or may it be done. That word done or be comes from this understanding of something brought into existence, beginning to be made, to, to, to make something new, to change something. And as an artist, that just you know, foster so much imagination for me is I think a lot of our artists, we often think about our creative work as an, an enunciation moment where God comes to us with an idea or, you know, a, a dream of something that he's inviting us to allow to dwell within our flesh, to birth something new into the world as a creative form. That's an expression of of his love or an expression of who he is in the world or uh, his beauty. And I just love that it's sort of in that posture of, of surrender that that new thing is created. And I think, you know, as I was praying about it personally, I just have felt God saying, you know, it's okay to accept your limits in who you are as an artist in the way that I've wired you. And, especially in this really busy season of traveling a lot with the book and, you know, going here and there and everywhere to recognize uh, the need I have as an artist to slow down, to create space of solitude and silence, to recenter myself, to get in front of beauty myself, and to choose those things and to embrace those things as a limit of my humanity as a gift. And rather than trying to step out of the limits of who I am by trying to be like somebody else or people who are maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, more high capacity people who are traveling all the time and that's just how they roll. And it's, you know, but just to say, okay, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired and I'm going to take a nap, you know, or I'm going to choose to slow down and, and to not 
get stuck in, I think, the world's way of this rat race of feeling like we're going to fall behind or we're going to lose out or, you know, we have to overcome our limits because they're an obstacle for the new thing. And instead, it's just a countercultural posture to say, actually, the fact that I'm tired and the fact that I can't go as fast or the, you know, even for people who have mental health struggles or people who, you know, have depression or physical limitations, that actually could be the very place that heaven touches earth. And rather Mm -hmm. than getting, you know, frustrated or trying to overcome that by saying, okay, God, here I am in the midst of this limitation, would you dwell within my limits Well, friends, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and then Betty and I will be back to talk more about our God-given limitations and how we can lean into those for this Advent season. I think for me, just God's invitation to me is just to say, you know, bring to me the limits that you have and let me create something new in and through you and to surrender to the creative flow that God wants to bring, which requires me to set other things aside, you know, to not be so distracted by all the different to-do lists and things, but to give myself over in the limits of Mm -hmm. what it requires to create, which is space and uh, to embrace that and to receive that and to surrender to that knowing This is specifically how God wants to use my specific wiring, my DNA, my perspective, my story, my body Mm -hmm. to create something new. Yeah. So there's two things that stood out to me as you were saying that one is that as any kind of, you use the word creative, but I think it's any servant of God. We have to have space in our lives so that we can hear from him, right? So whether it's the idea for you know, some sort of painting that you're going to create or something you're going to write, or for me, something I may write. It's if I am not creating adequate, adequate space for God in my life to commune with him, Mm -hmm. then what I'm creating is actually done out of my effort and my ability. And Mm -hmm. I can coast on that for a little while, which I think we, we see around us a lot until we can't anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that really struck me about what you were talking about is this temptation to overcome our limits. And I, the first thing I thought was, oh, that's, that was the first temptation that was mm-hmm. all the way back yeah. in the garden. You know, when the serpent comes and he says, oh, but if you do this one thing, you'll be like, God, oh, you mean I don't have to be a human? I can mm-hmm. be more than mm-hmm. I can be like God. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it just goes, that's this age old temptation that the enemy says, if you hustle a little harder, Mm -hmm, if you squeeze mm -hmm. a few more hours out of your day, Mm -hmm. look how much more you can get done. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, no, I'm inviting you to live in the boundaries that I've created for you. Mm -hmm. That's where Mm -hmm. flourishing is. So, oh, such a good reminder to my soul. So thank you for saying that. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to talk a little bit more about this beautiful book that you've created and how you captured the story of Jesus in a little different way. And I'm curious, what is it that drove you drove? See, that's a very achievement word, even that I'm using, right? (laughs) What was it that the Lord invited you Mm -hmm. (laughs) to 
create through this book? What was the longing that you felt in your soul as you started to write and to paint? Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, you know, it's so fun that this book actually began out of a cohort of women that I was in with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship called the Women's Daniel Project. And it was basically a cohort of women in our movement that InterVarsity acknowledged as ascending leaders that they set aside to sort of intentionally develop for 18 months in a cohort. And each of us began telling our leadership journeys and trying to figure out based on our stories, based on how God has wired us, what is the unique contribution, the unique gift that we each make to the kingdom and to our movement. Mm. And it was really beautiful to have these women in my life who, you know, what was fascinating is we actually also studied the Annunciation together and we studied the passage where Mary comes to Elizabeth's home and Elizabeth welcomes her and calls her blessed. And that interaction that stirs something in Mary and Mary erupts and singing her own song, this beautiful Mm-hmm. Magnificat, the song with her life that she was meant to sing. And in so many ways, that cohort was like that for me. It was a bunch of Elizabeths calling into my life as a Mary and me playing an Elizabeth role in their life and just the role that uh, community played and this thing being formed, but also even just for me to find my own voice and to recognize, oh, I can lead as an artist. I don't, it's not a separate thing that I have to push to the side that that's, that's actually the core piece of who I am. And so just hearing other women call that forth in me just germinated something in me in general of that whole concept and idea that Mary goes through and Elizabeth Mm. goes through. And so, and we actually had, um, we each took on a different project to do over the course of that 18 months that would, be an expression of our unique contribution, but also would meet a felt need in our organization. And so I was invited to create a four-part devotional with my paintings and writing on, and we just decided to do it on Advent. And so I initially started the first four paintings in 2017. And what was really compelling to me was as I began to dive into Mary's story in particular, And one of the really beautiful pieces of my story that came to light while I was working on it is I actually, when I first started to work on the Annunciation piece and starting to lay down the initial layers, I was thinking about Mary and what it was like for her to find out that she was pregnant and just in awe of the incarnation. And I mean, just the incarnation itself, right, is such a compelling mystery that I could just ponder for my whole entire life and not reach the end of it, you know, just right. the beauty yeah. and the wonder of that. Mm-hmm. But while I was painting the, the Annunciation, I was thinking about Mary. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know what? I think I might be pregnant. And I found out the next day that I was. And so wow. it was this whole <laughs> real, truly invitation mm. to embody the story as I was creating it in ways that I can't even explain. Just journeying alongside Mary and what it must have felt like. And I think that's where some of this ruminating around human limitations came to mind is recognizing, you know, when you're pregnant, you get additional limits. <laughs> you, know, right. you have to slow down and you have less lung capacity and all these things. And so uh, I just was fascinated by her, but I also was looking around and seeing how 
I had never, and I don't know about you, Jody, but in all of my church experience, and Christmas comes around every single year, I have never, ever heard the story of Mary or Elizabeth told. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. in a peripheral way, but uh, I just felt like that story wasn't being told. And yet Luke centers his entire birth narrative around these two women and sort of holds them up as these examples of faith and mm-hmm. their prophetic declarations in the story, their calling forth of one another. Even Mary is contrasted with Zechariah, the priest, you know, like he has a very similar question uh, in response to the angel, you know, how can I be sure? She says, how can I, how can this be? And yet they're very different postures. Right. So it was just, for me, I was just like, wow, there's such a gap here. But I also felt that we had lost some of the wonder in the story and some of Mm -hmm. the beauty and Mm -hmm. Christmas has become so rote, like we totally get it every time and we can just roll our eyes at the same story every year. But my desire was I wanted people to be filled with the same kind of wonder that I was at the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I just really gave myself over to deeply, obviously, like I said, embodying the story in my life, but also you know, this story, as I wrote it, and as I worked on these paintings was over the course of five years. And what I found was, in each of the characters, I found a piece of my story that was emerging as I read about theirs, you know, Mm -hmm. so Zechariah was silenced in his need for certainty and control, you know, and I found myself in certain seasons silenced or put in the shadows because God needed to grow me in a certain area of my life, you know, or wrestling with Elizabeth in infertility in different seasons of my life or women in my life who had infertility Mm -hmm. that I journeyed Mm -hmm. with. And so there were just so many things in the story that I think were so beautiful and compelling. And I mean, even after I did the first four in 2017, it was about a year later that I was like, I think there's more to tell. Like there's Mm -hmm. more paintings that need to come and there's more that needs to be written about this, that I hadn't reached the end of it. And I probably still don't feel like I've completely reached the end of it. But uh, in many ways, I just felt like there was more. And so it just continued to grow from there. Yeah. That's so good. I'm so glad you told the story of finding out you were pregnant because that's in the beginning of your book. And I was so touched by that. Just the wonder as you were kind of moving through that season and experiencing it. And that's one of the things that I really love to do um, sometimes through imaginative prayer, which is another practice that we Mm -hmm. do in the podcast is really slowing down and contemplating what would it be like to be there? What Mm -hmm. would it be like to talk to Jesus in Mm -hmm. that biblical narrative or, you know, another narrative perhaps from the old Testament, but what is it like to be and and of course we don't know, right? It's a totally different context, a different culture. Other, I mean, there's just no way to really know, but we can in our humanness hmm. start to, if we slow down enough, just get a, just get a hint, a feeling, and it helps us then connect more deeply. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, this is a story that, oh yeah, Mary was a virgin and she had baby, baby Jesus, you know? And it's like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> Do you just realize all the things that you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just think we have to somehow get ourselves to slow enough mm-hmm. so that we don't just blaze through. And we do capture some of the wonder of the season and we do it in a new way. One of the things that you do in your book that I love is Visio Divina. 
And of course, we practice Lectio Divina, which is divine reading. And this is divine seeing, if we're looking in Latin. Um, And I would love for you to tell us about that practice, because you start each devotion or reading with a, a painting that you have created, and you invite the reader to just take a few moments to really look deeply and ask the spirit to help you notice something in the painting. So tell me, Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about that, how you discovered it, why it's been meaningful for you. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think about when I first stumbled upon Visio Divina and I couldn't remember, but I do know what's fascinating to me is I think, you know, in the Protestant world, especially, I think because of the result of iconoclasm and, you know, sort of the away with the images in the church time, we've had this sort of, I think, resistance to images. But the reality is, before the printing press, images were how people understood the scriptures. And that it was, that's how, I mean, especially when things were in Latin, too, and they couldn't even understand the words, it was, how can I understand the story or see myself in the story through these the ways that it's depicted visually. And so I think there's been a great longing and a return to that. And I know for me, I have really been learning about neuroscience and spiritual formation. And I know you've talked about that some on the podcast as well, but just learning about the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, over the last 15 years, we've discovered that we actually process information from the right side of the brain to the left and the right side of the brain being, you know, creativity, imagination, But that's also where we have our relational attachments and connections. And the left side of the brain then kicks in to put words to describe or, you know, express what we've just experienced. Well, the left side of the brain is things like theology and scripture and belief. But I don't think we were ever meant to start there. I think Mm. we actually were meant to start with a relational connection with God, with an encounter with him, with an experience of his love. And that's where then theology put words to it and where scripture puts words to the one who became flesh. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't just tell us about who he is. He showed us and showed up in the body and in the flesh so that we would know him, experientially know him. And I mean, even Paul's prayer that he says, I pray that you would know God in ways that surpass knowledge. Those are two different kinds of no, that's right brain and left brain. You know, the one is experiential, gnosko, you know, knowing, relational knowing. That's often a Jewish idiom used for sex, you know, and then the left is the gnosis. Like I, and he's, he's praying, I pray that, you know, like gnosko, relational knowing in ways that surpass rational knowing. And so I've just sensed as an artist, the invitation, if, if we are, wanting people to grow and to connect deep in attachment with God. We have to help Mm -hmm. them access the right side of their brain first. And actually character formation comes out of the right side of the brain. And Michael Hendricks talks about this a lot in his book, The Other Half of Church. Um, And so does Dr. Kurt Thompson. Mm -hmm. And I've just learned so much from them about this. But I think one of the things I long to do for people in the art, especially this is why I put it at the front end of the devotional, is I wanted to hold space and to create space for people to encounter God Mm -hmm. through the art Mm -hmm. visually and in a wordless relational way that they could receive something from him that was personal to them, Mm -hmm. that was fresh, that like just sparked their imagination and sparked a relational connection with him. And that that's the beautiful thing about art, right? Is so 
people can see different things and the spirit can use it in different ways. And so the art essentially just becomes a tool to hear and encounter Jesus. And, and then, you know, after that then is the scripture passage and sort of unpacking the story and helping people to connect with it in their personal lives. But I've just sensed that, especially in our day and age, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like we've lost the ability to hold our attention and reading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I have. I know I have. I'm like listening to audiobooks. I can't even sit down to read very well anymore. But I think that the art can help help hold our attention in ways that are new and fresh and get us back into that space with God. I had a really interesting experience doing it with the very first painting, the one where you have Luke sitting at a desk. Mm, And these mm -hmm. are the first four verses of Luke that we just pass over. It's like, okay, yeah, Luke's writing the account to most excellent Theophilus. And here we go. And we're off. Yeah. But it, what struck me was as I was sitting there looking at it, I realized Luke is being faithful to sit down. And he even starts the letter saying, others have already done this. Mm -hmm. And yet, he felt compelled because of his research, because of who he was, mm-hmm. and because of the way he saw the world to also write the account. And right. there was something so moving to me in just that moment of realization as you, you're looking at this person, which is just a beautiful painting. You're an amazing artist. I love, I love the work that you've done there, but to see what looks like the spirit kind of breathing into him and him then breathing the words out through his pen, Mm. I was like very moved that that is what the Lord invites us to do. There is nothing new that we will create that has not already Mm -hmm. been created. And yet Mm -hmm. he asks us to sit down and say the words Mm -hmm. again, to preach Mm -hmm. the gospel again, to share Jesus again in whatever way we have been called to do it. And it, it, and I think a lot of times we can convince ourselves, no, it's already been done. It's already been done. So it was very moving to me. So even that very first painting brought those mm. words to life in a way that hadn't been before. And now I feel a, I think as, as with any kind of uh, process where the spirit breathes something into you and re- and helps the word become alive, you feel very connected to it. And so now I almost feel this like kindredness to Luke sitting there doing it. So it's just kind of an interesting experience. Yeah. You know, I had that same experience actually when my, I, when I was working on the, uh, you know, preparing to launch the book, I asked my spiritual director, you know, what, what's a good spiritual practice that I should do in preparation for this thing that, you know, it's like working on this for five years and it's now come time where it's going to be shared with the world. And I'm just like, can't yeah. even, you know, she's like, I think you should read the book again. And I was like, oh, okay. That's a <laughs> novel idea. But I was struck by, you know, finally, you know, preparing this table for other people and then being able to sit down and receive mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. myself, Luke's story, especially like you said, was so, it hit me in such a new, fresh way that I, like Luke, had the honor to tell the story this way. And Mm -hmm. through my flesh and blood, through my DNA, through my gifts, and and that's what, like you said, he invites all of us to do. And, And what's so beautiful about the way that Luke does that is he says, you know, I've taken it upon myself to draw up an account. And, you know, like you said, he's a, he's a doctor, he's done the research and all these things, but the way that he chooses to validate 
who Jesus is isn't by truth claims. It's by mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. And it's by stories of how God not only just became flesh through Jesus, but how he became flesh through the real people, flesh and blood people who received mm-hmm. him. And how we then, as we do with stories, we can find ourselves in the longings and the aches and the desires and the challenges of these mm. these characters and to see how God brings salvation into their lives in real ways that isn't just theoretical, but is in a lived embodied story. And so, mm-hmm. and for me then too, to, to receive that as a gift as an artist to say, oh, Yes, God is embodying my story to tell the story like Luke in a very different way, you know, but yeah. um was just such a gift to to receive and I and I do hope for those who read the book and encounter the paintings that they will see themselves in the story and it will become flesh in them as well. Oh, it's such a beautiful way to say that. That 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 is the hope is that we slow down Mm -hmm. and we enter into the story in a new way. And I think you've done a beautiful job ushering us into the Advent season and helping us, helping us just see it with fresh eyes. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking on that Luke moment and sitting down and Mm -hmm. retelling the story again and pushing through Mm -hmm. all of the five years of it. I'm sure there was a lot of challenges that came with that Mm -hmm. as an artist Mm -hmm. and a creator and Thank you for for doing that. That's a great testimony to us as well. Yeah, it's been an honor, really, truly. This has just been a great conversation. And I have delighted in having you on the podcast today, Betty. So thank you for being with us. Oh, Um, yeah. Friends, I also want to let you know that InterVarsity Press is giving us 30% off and free shipping for the next two weeks. And I'm telling you, this is a beautiful book that will help you slow down and enter the season of Advent. I know we're a few days into Advent when this is being released, but if you uh, jump on it, you'll still be able to enjoy it for most of the season or just give it as a gift for some people too that maybe also need to slow down and enter the season mm-hmm. a little different. Yeah. So there's a link in the show notes for that. So Betty, any uh, last encouragement for us as we move into this Advent season? Yeah, you know, I wanted to mention actually if anybody, anyone in your audience wants to be led through an audio guided Visio Divina. I have a text code that if they, if you text the word wonder to the number five, five, four, 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 uh, and follow the text prompts, it'll send you an image of one of the paintings from the book with a link to an audio guide where I lead you through about a 13 minute reflection, which I just find, I don't know about you, but during the Advent season, I get so chaotic and frazzled. It's really hard to lead myself into the presence of God. And so just having somebody else do it, there's music that goes under it. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to just offer that as a gift to to you and to your audience. And so, again, that's wonder to 55444 and would love to send that to you all as a gift. Yeah. Well, I will also put a link for that in the show notes. And that is a great compliment to even what we're doing here with the Lectio Divina process and helping us slow down and be guided Mm -hmm. through scripture Mm -hmm. also set to Mm -hmm. music. So it sounds like we're doing some very similar things. And I love that. I love that the Lord is moving and bringing this resurgence of these slower disciplines Mm -hmm. to help us um, enter his word. So thanks for sharing that with us. I'm excited to, to join you in that. 
Well, friends, thank you for joining Betty and I today. And I also just want to take a quick moment to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership on this podcast. If you head over to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts. You'll find shows on prayer, Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation. And as always, I want to thank you for joining me on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.